0: Hello and welcome to our podcast channel here at Holy Trinity South Woodford. Thank you for joining us today and we hope you enjoy and are blessed through this week's talk. Great, it is a, a wonderful privilege and a pleasure for me to come and speak today. Um, as Jonathan said right at the beginning, um, Abby had apparently said that you know when you get priested you can invite anybody and I'm sure I was probably about number 327 on the list but he told me I was first so I'm believing it and um, but it is genuinely a real pleasure to be here and to speak uh, this morning so thank you Jonathan um, thank you Abby as as vicar for for having me here it's, it's great I really enjoyed the the first service Um, I'm looking forward to looking at this passage from Mark's gospel it's a strange story really isn't it of Jesus leading someone out spitting on his eyes and and restoring his sight but I think it's there's something in it that I really want us to um, to uh, concentrate on this morning why don't we take a moment to pray though before um, I go any further Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, already present, we welcome you now. we welcome you to put, to put truth in our minds, to renew our minds, to capture our hearts, so that with a renewed mind and a captured heart so our lives might look different, that we might increasingly become more like you. And so would you be our teacher, Holy Spirit, and give that today word for each soul here, for we ask it in the name of Jesus and for his glory. Amen. Just a real brief introduction to me. I'm, I'm Mark, I'm married to Kate. Um, I have been a vicar in the uh, Diocese of London for about 30-something years, um, and now live in Leicestershire. Uh, My wife is a paediatric nurse. That means she specialises with children and children who um, have life-threatening or life-limiting conditions. So, whilst a part of my talk today will be about healing, I really want you to know that far too often we have um, had to live with the pain as many of you all of us probably have to with the pain of this broken world that we live in I'm not one of these people who will say if you've just got more faith everything will be fine I am one of these people that will say a little bit of faith in a great big God goes a very long way and uh, so I really want to talk this morning about the the whole battle between I believe Lord help my unbelief um, Lord, I I I, uh, I trust you. Help me trust you more. I was saying to the uh, earlier congregation, I became a Christian in one thousand, nine hundred and eighty-one. So before some of some of you were born, um, by a long way. And in, I think if you said to me, what will you be like, Mark, in two thousand and twenty-two? Back in one thousand, nine hundred and eighty-one, I'd have said, well, I would have just changed. I'll almost be like Jesus by now. You know, it would have been one of these wonderful journeys of ever increasing likeness to Christ actually the reality and I'm a vicar so I should tell you that I, I, I took my collar off now because the button came off and it was uncomfortable um, the reality of my walk with Jesus has been more like this ups and downs the struggles of life seeking to hold on to the Lord hoping to become more and more like him but when stuff happens, and real stuff happens, doesn't it, to all of us, it's been like this. Anybody else recognize that? Is it just me? Two of us, great. All the rest of you go, no, we have no idea, Mark, what you're talking about. <laughs> um, so God is, is taking us on this, this journey. And I, I just want to talk about this journey that this man in Bethsaida goes on. But before I, I say anything about that, what kind of God do we see in this passage? Well, we see a God who is good. We see a God who wants to bring healing. One of the most my favourite words in, 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 in Scripture is, is the word shalom. It's really about God's wholeness and healing in every part of our lives. This particular story is about the healing of blindness. But God cares about every physical condition. God cares about every spiritual or psychological or emotional condition. God cares about the condition of our relationships. God cares about justice. God cares about poverty. The whole shalom. This wholeness that God's working in us. That we're praying for when we pray your kingdom come. This is all of our absolute importance to God but in the midst of that we stumble along behind that's the word I would use for my own walk with God I stumble along behind sometimes I walk quite well with him sometimes I rebel against him because I like you I'm a fragile human being life does stuff to me and so I constantly have to come back to that place of Lord help me align my spirit again with you you know I pray in the mornings not because vicars are meant to pray in the morning (laughs) not because I'm paid to pray I pray in the morning because I know I've got no chance of living anything like Jesus in my strength I just haven't got it. I haven't got enough faith, enough love, enough wisdom, enough understanding, enough of anything. But I want to be like Jesus, don't you? I guess that's why you're here this morning. And so, as Jonathan, you know, begins life as a, as a priest, ordained yesterday, hands laid on him, He has a new public role, along with Liddy, uh, in in leadership. He now has particular responsibilities. But he already knows from a year, um, when he was ordained a deacon a year or so ago, that just getting that bit of plastic around your collar doesn't suddenly make you like Jesus. Is that right, Jonathan? (laughs) Liddy told me it's definitely true. You're not like Jesus. (laughs) But it does mean he has particular responsibilities. But all of us are part of this holy nation, this royal priesthood the Bible describes it as, who are to become more like Jesus and bring the things of heaven down to earth, even as we bring the things of earth up to God. That's what a priest does. That's what we do. And our epistle told us that All of us in Christ are people in whom the Holy Spirit lives. So this passage has something to say about who God is, but it also has something really significant to say about who you are. Let's start with God. Well, God is good. He's the God who heals right back in Exodus 15, verse 26, the second book of the 66 books of the Bible. We're told that God says, I'm the God who heals. If we were to take Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John between our thumb and our forefinger, 25% or so of what we hold would be the healing ministry of God. God is always saying whatever requirement there is for bringing good into evil, light into darkness, hope into despair, healing into brokenness, that's the kind of God I am. That's who I am. We see in this passage that matter, not just spirit, the things of earth, not just the things of heaven, if you like, matter to God. He wants, He cares about everything that we are going through right now, physically. As I get older, there's a new ache every morning. I've I've never put so much stuff on my body to stop it aching at night so I can sleep. (laughs) We've all got physical or emotional or spiritual or whatever brokenness in our lives. And don't we live in an uncertain world? You know, there's a man called Mr. Putin, and he thinks he's got all the power, but we know that Jesus is Lord. He's the one who is really in control. We live in the uncertainty of the pandemic still. We live in the uncertainty of the cost of living. But this passage says to us that there's a God who's good, who's going to take us by the hand, teach us to trust him and lead us where we need to go, even though in our spiritual blindness, we can't always see where that is. Matter matters to God. But it also shows us a little bit about who we are. We're not just those that are led by the hand in our blindness. The healing ministry is something that God's entrusted to us as well. I am not looking at ordinary human beings. I am looking at human beings in whom the Spirit of God has begun something Otherwise, I don't believe you'd be here. It's not socially required anymore to go to church, is it? You, can, you only come to church if you really want to come to church. You're here because the Holy Spirit has awakened your spirit. And the good news is this, that what God has begun in you in Christ Jesus, he will bring to completion. So whilst it won't be, oh, I'm getting more and more and more and more and more like Jesus, all in one smooth ascent. It will be more like this. In that journey of making you more like Jesus, he has taken you by the hand and he's leading you out of your Bethsaida, and more about that in a minute, into this life that God has planned and purposed for you. So we're seeing something of who God is and we're seeing something of who we are because the ministry that Jesus had, he now entrusts to us. As someone prayed in the nine o'clock service, we're now his hands and his feet. It's now his life in us and through us and frankly, despite us. He's that good. He's that good. So, as we look at this passage, let me just begin to whet your appetite about how God still works today. In, um, in, I, can t- I could tell you seven stories of the healing of blindness by the God who lives within you that I've seen happen. I told them at the nine o'clock about a seven-year-old boy in Kenya called Derek. Derek was brought to me out in um, Western Kenya as I was leading a week of teaching in the Anglican Church of St. James Masseno. At lunchtime on a Saturday, the Mother's Union had started a school and they brought this blind boy called Derek to the school. He cried because he couldn't see anything. He was an orphan. They said, Reverend, would would you pray for him? Now, when I was confronted with those expectant faces and this little blind boy a battle immediately raged within me between faith that says God is alive and real and the reality that I'm alive and frail and broken I have faith but I have unbelief the struggle raged but there he was set before me and so I prayed my best prayer remembering what Jesus had said that we were to carry on his ministry and I said, blind eye be open in the name of Jesus Christ because I know that in the name of Mark there's no chance whatsoever. And guess what happened? I want you to hear this, guess what happened? Absolutely nothing. 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 I prayed a second time, remembering this story that when Jesus spat on a man's eyes and prayed, first of all, he saw men like trees. In other words, he wasn't completely healed. So I thought if Jesus had to pray twice, then Mark Aldridge must have to pray 102 times. Prayed a second time, nothing happened. We then drew a little picture on a paper and uh, said to this blind boy, what do you see? And he seemed to indicate he could see the paper at least. And I thought, well, that will do. Thank you, Lord. But it was nothing like what Jesus would do. And the scripture tells me, our first reading tells me, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus lives within. We then had lunch. And then one of my team said, Mark, should we pray again? I said, okay, let's pray one more time. We prayed as honestly... As I can tell you, as I stand before you now, 100% the God who lives in you. The God who lives in you. Not the, just the God who lives in me, the God who lives in you. True to his name. True to that powerful name we just sung about. The name that is above all names. Completely 100% healed little Derek. And then the next day as we worshipped men on one side, women on the other, no children. I was at the front here. I looked up to my right. There was an opening in the wall and a little seven-year-old face came through. He was blind and now he can see. He wanted to be with the people that had introduced him to this glorious Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today and forever. He'd taken my less than mustard seed of faith which had been placed in a God who was utterly able and faithful and done something. And afterwards, under a blazing hot Kenyan sun, I played football with Derek. Have you ever played with a football or any game with someone who was blind the day before? And now they see. I'll never forget it. And yet, and yet, the battle still rages in me between faith and doubt. I could tell you about Pekka Lundblom, a Finnish man in Stockholm, Sweden. I've seen the doctor's report that Pekka was blind for 40 years, but in the name of Jesus, we prayed for him and God opened his eyes. I could tell you about a Syrian refugee. I could tell you about my mum's cancer that went in the name of Jesus and yet I can also tell you because of my wife's experience as well as my own experience and our experience that sometimes I pray and nothing happens and so faith and doubt belief and unbelief understanding and mystery rage within us, don't they? But we will not as the people of God, give up on the truth of who Jesus is. And that's why I find this reading so utterly fascinating. They came, it said, to Bethsaida. What do we know about Bethsaida? Well, we know about Bethsaida that it was a place of unbelief. It says in Luke 10, verse 13, woe to you Chorazin woe to you Bethsaida if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes Tyre and Sidon were infamous for wickedness prophets had declared God's judgment on them centuries before we can conclude that if such wicked places were quicker to repent than Bethsaida Bethsaida was a dark place And for the sake of applying this, Bethsaida is the world we live in with its darkness and its evil and its refusal to turn back to God. And it also represents something within us. Because we believe, Lord, help my unbelief. Lord, I've seen amazing breakthroughs and I've seen heartbreak. I became a follower of Jesus as a paramedic because with no Christian background at all, I saw the suffering and the brokenness of this world and I didn't understand. But deep in my soul, something said, there must be something better than this. And then someone introduced me to Jesus. And I would just say, with, as Michael said, if you haven't been on the Alpha course, get on it. Honestly, you can really honestly explore these issues of faith and doubt. So they came to him. In this place of unbelief in Bethsaida, some people found a mustard seed, the smallest seed in the garden, Jesus called it. Of faith, and they begged Jesus to touch him. And I have to believe, because of that culture and the state of human beings, that they'd struggled with faith and doubt as well. But let's give it a go, let's reach out and touch the hem of the garment of Jesus and see what he will do. We know he's good. We know he's love. We know he's powerful. We know he's willing. Let's give it a go. And that's what they did. I suspect they were waging a war between faith and doubt. And faith and doubt is found in a number of places in the scriptures. It's quite biblical, if you like to have both faith and doubt. It's okay. I think you've got permission. In Matthew 21, Jesus says when he withers a fig tree, I tell you the truth, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but can also say to the mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. He says the same in Matthew 14 when um, Peter goes walking on water. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It comes up again in James 1 in various places. It's a real battle that all of us, clergy, not clergy, experienced in the things of the Spirit, long-term Christians, new Christians, not yet Christians, we all live in that battle. The rabbis taught that within the soul or the heart of every human being, it's like there's two dogs living. One dog you might call faith and the other dog you might call doubt or belief or unbelief or trust in God and not yet trust in God. And they said, the rabbis said, it's very simple. As those two dogs within you fight, the one that wins will be the one that you feed. The one that loses will be the one that you starve. And so, the question for the people in Bethsaida is the same question for the people of South Woodford Which dog are you going to feed? Not just on a Sunday morning, but on a Monday morning, a Wednesday evening. Not only in the good times, but the bad times. Not only in the ups of life, but in the downs of life. Which one are you going to feed? Doubt needs defeating. And so Jesus comes to this blind man, and he takes him by the hand. I wonder what it was like as the two of them walked out of the village, out of the place of unbelief. Why did Jesus do this? Because Jesus takes us by the hand and takes us on a journey. Jesus is always taking us by the hand saying, trust me, even though you don't see where we're going. And the good news is, even when we let go, He doesn't. His grip of love and grace upon your hand, he will not let go. Even if we were to try and flee from him, we couldn't. We might for a season believe that we have, but he will pursue us. He will not let go of us. He will not give up on us. Sometimes I used to be tempted to believe that on those times of growth in God, God was pleased with me and so he could do something in my life. And that in the times of rebellion or hard-heartedness or unbelief, when I sunk into the depths, that God would give up on me. And the truth is that God doesn't know how to give up on you. God does not know how to give up on us. Because God is love and God is faithful. The scriptures say, even when we are faithless, he is faithful. Even when we let go, he holds on. And so he takes us like the blind man by the hand and says, trust me, walk with me. And he leads us out of the place of unbelief into the place of healing. I wonder how he's doing that with you today. I wonder what you're walking through right now. Is it the things of the world? Is it the climate crisis? Is it the worries still about COVID? Is it Mr. Putin and his madness? Is it something else? Is it something very personal and close to home? God still says, I've got hold of you. I'm leading you. In your blindness where you can't see around the corner, I've already been there. And I've conquered everything that's around the corner. And as you grow in that understanding, you become the priests. We're able to bring this truth of heaven to earth. And bring these needs of earth to heaven, confident in a God who will not let go. Time is up. I could tell you other places in the scriptures. Like when Jesus went to the home of a 12-year-old girl, Jairus' daughter, she died. He was met by a commotion, a crowd wailing and weeping and full of fear and doubt. And Jesus says, no, the little girl's not dead. She's asleep and they ridiculed him. But he sent them away. He then goes into the room of the 12-year-old girl lying dead on the bed. He goes with Peter, James, and John, his three really faithful disciples, and with Jairus and Mrs. Jairus, the parents. Faith and desire is an environment that God can bring healing in. Fear and despair and doubt, it's difficult. My prayer for you, if I can be so bold, Holy Trinity South Woodford, is that you will increasingly be a people that cultivate an environment of faith, of being really honest about the struggles and the doubts, But always feeding the dog within you that says, I'm after Jesus. I'm for Jesus. That you speak over one another words of truth and hope and faith and life. When I was a vicar, I had an administrator called Ruth. And I would say to Ruth, one, one day I said to her, Ruth, you're the church historian now. She said, Oh, no, not another job. What does that mean? I said, I want you to write down the history of everything that God does from this day onwards. Every good thing that God does, I want you to write it down in a book. I want us to be a church that talks about what God is doing, not about what God isn't doing. I want us to be a church that prophesies life over one another. And I know, and one of the reasons I'm delighted to be invited by Jonathan is that I know he and Abby have a longing for these things of the Holy Spirit to be true in our lives and that they will step out and that they will feed that which is of God. I know that you have in this place leaders who are saying, we don't see everything that's coming, but we've learnt that even when our grip is loose, God's grip of grace is strong and true and sure. I need to finish. I could tell you of other healings. I could tell you of other uh, breakthroughs in people's lives that time does not allow. I could tell you of medically verified healings. Eileen Reynolds was in my church, an abdomen the size of a, of a, grape, uh, a tumor in her abdomen the size of a grapefruit. And how, after prayer and fasting, and no surgical uh, in, uh, involvement, they ran her through the scanner at the North Middlesex Hospital, uh, Central Middlesex Hospital, three times, and they said, "Well, we can't believe it." I had the letter from the doctor, from the consultant. He didn't say Jesus had healed her. He just said Eileen Reynolds had a such and such a tumour, and it's gone. I could tell you of many times when I prayed. And nothing happened. And so we live in the tension. But the question is, which dog are we going to feed? Whether it's about healing or any other struggle in life, what are we going to speak into one another? What are we going to cultivate and cheer on in each other? So this becomes a place where people around this community go, do you know what, that's a great community at Holy Trinity, I don't know what it is, but they're so alive. They're so encouraging. They're so for each other. Psychologists say for every discouragement you ever get, you'll need seven encouragements to get back on balance. But when you go to Holy Trinity, they speak life and life and life again. So in this story, it says that Jesus spat uh, saliva was seen as, in those days as having healing properties. So there was a help to the doubt in the faith there. First of all, there's a partial healing, but in the journey, we need to learn to persevere beyond the disappointments and the partial healings and the partial breakthroughs. Jesus teaches that in this passage. And then the complete healing comes and the man can see He's been led by the hand that threw stars into space that were crucified and nailed on a cross. These hands of love had been laid on him and now he was healed. And Jesus says, don't even go back into the village. Don't go back into that culture of doubt and cynicism. Stay in that place knowing that God is for you and with you, and holding you, and will never, ever let go or let down. Where is God leading you? As an individual, where is God leading you? As a church. This morning, I believe he wants you to know with all his heart and longing that he's got you. And he won't let go. And in the knowledge of that, I pray that you will see with the eyes of your heart that spiritual blindness would go and you would know that the God who is within you is for you and not against you and has a future for you individually and together where you will see and how others see. For that's what priests do. Abby. Jonathan. Every single one of you in Christ. Man. Woman. Or child. This is who you are. You are not ordinary mortals. You are people. In whom Christ. Lives. God bless you. We're going to pray for a moment. If you're able, willing, comfortable, would you like to stand? I almost kept the time, not quite. (laughs) Just as we stand for a moment before God, I find physical actions can help. And I wonder if you might, if you want to, simply as a way of saying, Lord, I want to know your grip again upon my life. Just hold your hands out in front of you. We say, come, Holy Spirit, take us by the hand. And I pray that you'd almost know the physical touch of God, tangible and real. Whether you're in an up season or a down season, A believing and trusting or a doubting and struggling season. Whether you can see or not see the way ahead, let the Lord take your hand now. Come. Holy Spirit, come. And let's wait. Let's wait. It's a beautiful thing when we wait on God. When we say, Lord, I don't see, but I trust that you do. It's a beautiful prayer to stand with hearts and hands open to him. And let's just wait for a moment on him that we would know the grip of grace upon us. It just drops into my spirit the idea that, maybe from the Holy Spirit, that someone here is really worrying about their mother. And their worry about their mother has clouded their view of God, become everything, and it's dragging you down. And the Lord says, I have got her. I hold her. And I hold you. Or maybe you're worrying about your job right now. Is my job going to go? The Lord says, I'm holding you. Or it's a health condition. I, I, I wonder if there's somebody here with a kidney condition... But it might be any health condition, but the word kidney comes to my mind. And the Lord says, you're worried about it. I understand. I've got you. I'm leading you. Or some of you that have just been really tormented by the news recently, almost to the point you can't watch the news. The Lord says, I'm in, I'm in control. I'm the Lord over all. I'm the Lord of lords and I'm the King of kings. And I've got you. I hold you. And I speak to your heart and I say, peace be with you. Peace be upon you. Peace be your environment that God leads you into daily this week. Come, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We'd be really grateful if you could leave us a rating or review as that helps other people easily find this podcast. Remember, you can join us every Sunday at either our 9 or 10.45am services where you'll be sure to receive a warm welcome. Till next time, goodbye.